morning. We are in Nehemiah, and it's been, uh, well, I hope it's been good. It's just been me, and now it's me again, so. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Nehemiah chapter 2, and here we go. Then the king asked me, for what do you ask? This was a big moment question in the middle of a regular day's work. Nehemiah starts in chapter 2 with the cup-bearing duties of Nehemiah. Here he is, this huge, monumental moment of destiny, the call of God in just the chapter before, but yet still in his regular job, still punching the clock, the nine to five. Nothing changed, yet everything had. Verse one, chapter two. In the month of Nisan, when wine was before the king, I took up the wine and I gave it to him. Now, I had not been sad before in his presence. So the king said to me, why do you look sad, seen as you are not sick? <laughs> this is nothing but sorrow of heart. And then I was very much afraid. And then the king then said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should I not be sad-faced when the city, the place of my father, lie waste and its fortified gates are consumed by fire? The king said to me, for what do you ask? So I prayed to the God of heaven. That moment when you are asked a big question, and in the two seconds you take to pause to think about it, you pray, God, let me say the right thing right now. <laughs> right? I mean, sometimes that could be like, your friend's like, are you going to eat that? And you're like, I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to say the right thing. <laughs> Don't touch my food. Do you really need another pair of shoes? <laughs> How about the awkward, your boss? Are you happy here at work? Help me say the right thing. Or to your kids, I know a lot of the kids have, have left, but there's maybe a couple here. But it's, there's the, like a yes day. Some, some parents do this where for your birthday, they're like, you can have anything you want for this one day. I'm going to say yes to everything. So what do you want to do? They're like, please let me remember all the things right now. But this was a big moment, and Nehemiah prayed that he would say the right thing that would not bring offense to the king, but bring favor in his eyes. He asked for some time off. <laughs> he needed a leave of absence from his cup-bearing job in order to rebuild a city from its ruins. If given permission, Nehemiah would choose to leave the comforts of the castle to go into the chaos of a city. This must have been a daunting thing to face for Nehemiah, but he trusted God's word. He had an understanding of the directive of God, and he was choosing to move into alignment with that directive. This was not his own opinion. This was not his own intellect. This was not his own wisdom, his own thoughts or ideas. This was hearing the voice of God and then moving on that voice. See, we get into a lot of trouble 
when we rest our decisions on our own opinions. Hindsight is 2020 for those who operate in the natural. Present sight is 2020 for those who operate in the spiritual. So back in chapter one, if you read Nehemiah's prayer, we understand that Nehemiah knew certain things to be true of what was happening in the city. He was not entering into this assignment blindly. He was fully aware of what was happening. Nehemiah knew that this was a risk, but it was a calculated risk with a firm hold to the promises of God. Nehemiah knew Jerusalem was a city destroyed. It was a disgraced wasteland. But he also knew that God had chosen this city to have his name dwell. Zion, city of God. Nehemiah trusted the promise and Nehemiah trusted the prophecies. He didn't have to trust. He didn't have to listen. He did not have to give of himself, but he did. Nehemiah took his opportunity to take the place in the story of God that was about to happen. He took a bold, he took a radical, he took a big, costly action because he believed, because he believed. Nehemiah didn't fleece it, he didn't cast lots about it, he didn't ask for a sign to confirm it, he didn't ask for an angel to descend and order it, he just heard the voice of Lord and he moved on that voice. And then if you notice, as we will read, he didn't just ask for days off to be away, but he asked to be sent, to be backed and supported by the king for this mission. See, when God calls us to go, let's just not go with permission. Let's go with sending into our mission. It's a beautiful thing when, you, when we allow the authority that God's placed in our lives to send us into the thing that God's called us. This covering in the spirit and in the natural does a significant thing in the present situation and in the future you're about to walk into. See, the way you leave one thing impacts how you enter a new thing. Hear me, the way you leave one thing impacts the way you enter a new thing. So if you are sent out, if you leave in peace and in joy, you will enter in peace and in joy. Yes, come on, Isaiah 55 verse 12 says this, so you will go out in joy and you will be led into a whole and complete life in peace. The mountains, the hills will lead the parade bursting with song. All the trees of the forest will join in the procession, exuberant with applause. No more thistles, but giant sequoias. No more thorn bushes, but stately pines. Monuments to me, to God, living and lasting evidence of God. The way you leave a thing affects how you enter the new thing. Nehemiah said, send me that I might rebuild a city. Here was broken Nehemiah, if you remember from chapter 1. His heart was taken by a mission to rebuild. 
His mind was fixed on the promises of God being fulfilled. His life was an offering of humility, and he was desiring to be sent by the covering and the authority God had put in his life. See, his brokenness didn't hurt his call. His brokenness was his prerequisite to the call. His humility didn't hurt his call. His humility brought favor to his call. Before we are qualified to build, we are invited into an encounter to break. Because the broken are the builders. That which has taken your heart will be the very thing God's called you to. See, this can be easy for some and not for others. If you view your brokenness as a weakness, this might be hard for you. When we're scared to be vulnerable with others, this may be hard for us. When we can't be honest within ourselves, this may be hard for us. See, the mask that we wear today on our faces out everywhere are just really a real-life view of the mask that we've been wearing all along. Here's Nehemiah, broken to build. Goes into see the king with a risky action and gets his bold request granted by this king. And then he's like, but I have another favor. <laughs> Thanks for the time off, but I have another favor. See, there are documents he needs approval for in order to be allowed to get in certain areas of land. And Nehemiah has done his homework. He knows. This is a calculated risk. He knows what it's going to take. He knows what it's going to cost. So he asks for another thing. And in verse 5, he says, And I said to him, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you would send me. The king beside whom the queen was sitting asked me, how long will your journey take, Nehemiah? And when will you when you back? So it pleased him to send me. And I gave him a time. Also, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors so that they may let me pass through to Judah. And the king granted what I asked for the good hand of my God was upon me. See, when God calls you to do something, he will bring favor to accomplish that calling. He will open doors. He will remove the obstacles. Humility will bring you the favor recognizing need for help is okay. It's okay. We can't do it all on our own. Sometimes we need help. This was a massive project. Nehemiah was entering a big thing. It was God's size. It could not be done on his own. Some things cannot be done on our own. God's size work requires God's size action, and it can only be accomplished by faith. See, it took great faith to go before the king. With authenticity. 
He was sad. And he just went as he was. He didn't mask it. Normally, this would be a sign of disrespect to a king to walk into his presence like that. That may have gotten him killed. It took great faith. It took great faith for Nehemiah to risk his reputation as a prestigious cupbearer to the king in a castle to associate with the disgrace of the city. It took great faith for him to leave safety and comfort of what she had known. And it, but it wasn't reckless. It was calculated. He knew he was leaving safety and comfort. And it took great faith to ask for support and covering of this king, which wasn't weakness, but was strength. He was a bold man with a big mission. He had a broken heart, but a building spirit. He just couldn't live with the broken walls anymore. Can you live with the broken walls? See, what we tolerate will soon dominate. We tolerate broken walls. The infiltration of the enemy will take control. We tolerate control and manipulation. The assignment of hell will lead the charge. We tolerate gossip. Disunity will destroy us. We tolerate unrighteousness. It will keep us from blessing. We tolerate selfishness. We will live in poverty. We tolerate apathy. Laziness will rob us from advancement. We tolerate average. We will never see excellence. We tolerate fear. We will have a faithless church. The walls were there to keep the enemy outside the city. See, the enemy's goal is to destroy the walls. That's the goal. And when it's he destroys the walls, his goal is to keep them destroyed. So that he can gain access and keep access. He will take any avenue he can. If there's a crack, he will find it. If there's a weak spot, he will push on it. And he will push over and over and over and repeatedly beat on that spot until it gets weaker and weaker and weaker. Sometimes that's a person, sometimes that's a place, and sometimes that's a thing. But he will get to it. The enemy stalks the walls. The Bible says that the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. He stalks and he seeks us. He's crafty. He's quiet. Friends, anything that is not in alignment with Jesus gives the enemy an open access into your life, into my life. What are his access points? Sin. We know that. Fear. Offense. Disunity. Unforgiveness. Speaking against authority. That's just a few. These are the access points. These are the cracks in the walls. 
So let's ask ourselves today, do I have any of these access points in my life? Am I a liability to myself? Am I a liability to others? Some of the greatest tools in the hands of the enemy are misguided Christians. And the problem is, a misguided Christian doesn't know they're misguided because you're misguided. (laughs) So we pray, Father, do I have any access points in my life? Reveal to me. Search me. Know me. Know my heart. Is there any wicked way in me? If this is offensive this morning, well, I won't apologize because the gospel is offensive. The gospel is offensive. But it won't be to you who want to live wholeheartedly to Jesus. Because you don't care how much it hurts, how far you have to go, how deep you have to search in order to be in alignment with heaven. Because that's your heart. How far will we permit the enemy to expand his influence? See, sometimes we think we're over here protecting our side of the wall or we're trying to fix the part in front of us right now when really behind us there's a huge hole that we ourselves have created. How far will we permit the enemy to expand his influence? See, a people that permits the walls to be broken, to be cracked or come down are the ones that are expanding this influence. This territory, who will decide enough is enough? Who will decide? Will you decide? Will I decide? Who will decide? Who wants to decide? Because we can. I get a choice. You get a choice. We all get a choice. You can decide enough is enough. I have heard so many people in the last few weeks, different people who weren't talking, and then they'll send us a text message or they'll say in a conversation, enough is enough. Enough is enough in Jesus' name. Enough is enough. We will not allow it anymore. We will not stand by anymore to see the enemy continue to influence, to continue to advance his territory. Enough is enough. Who will stand for our city? Who will stand for our homes? Who will stand for our church? Who will guard your home? Who will guard your family? Who will guard your marriage? When was the last time we broke, we cried, we wept for our broken walls? Our lives are cities waiting to be rebuilt. Nehemiah wept. See, compassion is a precursor to action. Nehemiah wept. And then Nehemiah went. He assembled a team. He scoped out the city at night. 
He shared the promises of God and the prophecies of God with his team. Verse 18 says, I told them of the hand of my God, which was upon me for good. He's like, I told them God called me to do this. And also the words that the king had spoken to me, that he was sending me in favor, blessing. And they said, so let us rise up and build. Come on, that was a special moment. (laughs) So they strengthened their hands for the good work. See, the team was organized, and they were put to work. They were up for it. Let's us rise up and build day and night. Everyone had their jobs, and there was a lot of them. And they worked hard, and they worked for a long time. See, when God is in it, the people will gather, and they will be up for the task. And I, I just wonder, you know, they started strong, but then along the way, did they want to quit? You know, because it gets tiring, and they could start. This is going to be great. Nehemiah is awesome. He has this cool idea. He's going to rebuild the walls. We're going to do it with them. I want to be a part of that. This is big time. I want to connect myself to that. (laughs) You know, sometimes there's, there's that feeling when something starts out, it's the next big thing. And then it gets hard. And then it's every day. And it's all day. (laughs) And no one's posting it. (laughs) And then you're like, wow, that's all we've done? It's only been a couple weeks, feels like years. This is as far as we've gotten already, thought it would be built by now. But Nehemiah kept things moving. He kept going. You know what's hard? To keep moving forward while you're looking backwards. (laughs) So how do you do it? Forward moving thinking. It's like um, Finding Nemo. Dory just keeps swimming, just keeps swimming, just keeps swimming. Even you don't really know what you're doing or going. <laughs> just keep swimming, just keep sw- Forward moving thinking. See, we have a call. It's a forward moving call. To go and build and build well. It starts in the presence of God, okay? It doesn't start in a meeting. It doesn't start in a conversation. It doesn't start in a strategy session. All those things are good. They come. But it starts in his presence. If we skip the start, we risk a misfire. The misfires hit the wall. And they bring it down again. I'm going to ask if someone would come and just uh, on the on the piano. We have a righteous responsibility, I feel, as sons and daughters, to build, to protect, and to shield the cities in our lives. That could be your personal life, your family. It could be your job, this church. We have a a righteous responsibility. It could be something that you're called to. There will be good people. Maybe not so good people, too. (laughs) 
But sometimes they're good people, well-meaning people who may not be in favor of it, who maybe will ridicule you or try to convince you that you're rebuilding the wrong city, the wrong wall, that you're actually wasting your strength and your time on a useless venture because it's probably not going to work. Maybe they'll just give you all the reasons of how you're doing it wrong. Nehemiah was heckled. If you read the story, he was mocked. He was made fun of. They told jokes about him. And then he said this in verse 20. He said, I answered them. He said, the God of heaven will prosper us. Therefore, we as his servants will arise and build. But you, you have no portion or right or memorial in Jerusalem. He took a stand. Why don't you stand with me right now? He said, you have no portion. You have no right. See, when those clowns come knocking at your door to say those things to you, you say to yourself, this is not my circus. This is not my monkeys. That's not your people, family. That's not your counsel. You shut it down. You don't have to listen to that. You don't have to entertain that. You cancel it. Canceled. They say something against you, against what God's called you to do. Cancel it. Cancel it. I cancel that in Jesus' name. I receive and I only hear the word of the Lord. I will go and I will do what he has called me to do. I will not entertain an opinion from someone who is not in alignment with God's heart for my life. I will not settle. I will not back down. I will not back away. I will stand in the grace and the authority of God on my life. Some of you have been so beaten down by people and things and situations that sometimes you don't know what to listen to. You don't know what voices are for you and what are against you because some of them are just masked as for you. But they're not for you. Because God's called you to something and they just don't get it. But you have a call. And you have a responsibility to be faithful to that call. So stand in that call. Ephesians 6.13 says, That is why you need God's full armor. Then on the day of evil, you will be able to stand strong. When you have finished the whole fight, You've done everything that you've needed to. 
you will still be standing. 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 Trust the call of God. Listen to the voice of Holy Spirit and give your life completely to Jesus. If you know anything about Heidi Baker, if you've read any of her books or followed any of her ministry, she said this. She said, Jesus looked into my eyes and captured my heart. Therefore, every moment of my life, I owe to him. It's for the glory of his name. It's for the glory of his name. 